If you're not working at in the 20s yeah. and 30s to control your mindfulness, presence, and emotional responses, man, like 40s, 50s, 60s is tough. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. This episode, we are joined by special guest, Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. A little bit about Sheikh Mikail. After embracing Islam at the age of 18, he went on to enroll at the Dar al-Uloom al-Madaniyah in Buffalo, New York, where he completed his memorization of the Quran. He then continued his studies in Jamia Abu Nur in Damascus, Syria. And finally, in 2012, he earned his bachelor's degree in Islamic studies at Dar al-Uloom Canada in Chatham, Ontario. Currently, he is a teacher at the Qalam Seminary and online at Qalam Connect. And he is also the author of this book. With the heart and mind, the moral and emotional intelligence of the Prophet which is actually the topic of this episode. We brought Sheikh Mekail on the show to discuss his motivations for writing the book and to expound on some of the key points and ideas that he presents. As always, links to Sheikh Mekail's social media and links to the book are below if you're watching on YouTube or in the podcast description if you're listening through your favorite podcast app. This was actually one of my favorite books that I read this past year, so it was a pleasure having some one-on-one -on -one time with the author himself. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Assalamu alaikum, and on to the episode. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. Today we are joined by a very honored guest, Sheikh Mikhail Ahmed Smith. Today, inshallah, we'll be talking about his latest hit book, with the heart and mind, the moral and emotional intelligence of the prophet. So, prophets. Uh, was that supposed to be like? Oh, that is. That's supposed to be a sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought it was like prophet slash prophet. So we do we do talk about other prophets of Allah subhanahu wa taala, um, and their uh, emotional intelligence. That's there for sure. Um, but obviously, the main purpose was for. Um, there's two reasons why we focus on the Prophet. Number one is because that is our Prophet, so I said, we need to know him. Yeah. Number two is we just don't have enough information of other Prophets to analyze emotional intelligence at such a deep level. Yeah. No. Um, the documentation of his life is so thorough mm. that you know you can really get a, a really close glimpse of <clears throat> how he was like interacting with people and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, But we do mention like a few others, um, uh, others as well. So what was the main motivation, I would say, to write this book? You have well, it in your intro a little bit. You have it in your intro, yeah, but... Yeah, um, I'm not... I can't remember exactly what I put in the in intro. That's fine. Uh, what comes to your mind right now? Uh, yeah, so my main motivation was this. Um, I, I am a guy who kind of like would, you know, go to Barnes & Noble and... You know, pick up these these different books on different topics, yeah. and a lot of it for me as a Muslim would be really really relevant. Um, but it was obviously for me missing that that flavor, that little spin of how this applies to me as a Muslim, right? And so, um, and so, uh, emotional intelligence. I can't remember where I first heard the term and started to read about it. Um, but as I was studying it more, I was like, wait. You know, this this concept of EQ, um, I, it's such an amazing thing. It has to have some connection with the Anbiya, alayhi salatu wasalam. There has to be something. Um, and as I was getting deeper and deeper, I was like, this is this is amazing. And the thesis that basically comes from the book is just that 
prophets are given by God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, they're given by Allah this ability to transfer that message. And uh, so my primary um, intention, I think, was to expose uh, Muslims to this side of the Prophet and how he influenced people. Um, and partially that would just be to be like, oh wow, amazing, oh happy I'm Muslim. But more importantly, so that you got like the practical, wait, let me start to do these things, you know? No. Um, so partial, part of it is just to make someone um, you know, see the beauty of the Prophet that's oh, one. Number two is more practical, like no, we need to start living like him. And that means you need to emotionally connect to people um, around you. And uh, yeah, you need to emotionally connect to people um, because that's how you're going to positively influence them and things like that, you know? Oh, there was one more thing. No. So Can you just bring the mic closer to you? Yeah, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah, so there was one more better. thing too. There was one more thing, which was um, emotional intelligence. There's this organization called the School of Life no. in uh, England or London, London, right? And... Uh, they are big on EQ, huge on EQ. Um, but their whole purpose is to uh, secularize EQ mm. completely to make it as just it's just a pure human science. It you don't you don't need any religion. Um, EQ can uplift you and so on and so forth. And I and through my studies, I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. The way I'm looking at it from my studies of Quran, Sunnah, and, and everything is that no, this EQ is a means by which uh, hearts are opened and people are made receptible to messages. Mm -hmm. So of, cor of course, prophets of God who are given this responsibility would have the highest level of EQ because they have this highest level of divine responsibility, right? And so uh, one of the points I bring up in the book is that if there was no EQ in the prophets, then the hujja or proof mm. against those who disbelieve is not complete. Right? That's true. Right? No prophet came and no nadir. Part of that is... No mourner. Yeah. But, but part of that is, you know, we have this concept in Islam about uh, whoever dawah reached and dawah didn't reach. No. Mm -hmm. Right? You, you're yeah. familiar with it? Yeah. All right. So for the listeners, basically, it's like if, if you know, your, your co-worker, Bob never truly got the message no. then he's not accountable for it right yeah and and so when we say got the message what do we mean by that that's where we really have to have a conversation what does it mean to receive something oh did you just leave it at my door did you leave a pamphlet on my door and i received the message or did you engage me for years and explain Connect and to me you know? yeah. oh, you told me that oh i feel something but you didn't you decided to not follow through you know there's some spiritual laziness on your part like where where do you draw the yeah exactly where do you draw the exactly line? exactly yeah. and so so my the, the my feeling was and this is what i wrote about extensively there is that no prophets exhausted all means of breaking through the cognitive and emotional barriers to acceptance no mm -hmm. and why did they break those because they were taught how to break through those uh through the through allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's revelation so basically um, yeah, so basically I, I use the example of a syringe, right? Uh, you know, a syringe, mm -hmm. you have a, a biomedical uh, major. <laughs> Doesn't mean I know anything about He's this. like, oh, here he goes talking about medicine. Chick, stay in your lane. <laughs> I'm going to use a simple example, oh, okay, boy. which is uh, the syringe has medicine in it, something, right? 
and the syringe, there's two things. The tool itself is made in a way where it gets to a specific spot. There's only one spot it has to get to. You can't just, you know, stab it anywhere, right? Um, And not only that, it takes a skilled technician to actually be able to find the spot, use the tool, put it in there, and get the medicine inside. So that analogy to me is basically EQ Mm. and moral intelligence. Like the prophets have medicine. The prophets have to get the medicine inside of people. They didn't just go there and stab people and, and put the syringe anywhere in their body. Yeah, they did it correctly. Very good. Right. That, I think that oh, you go ahead. So you actually you've been talking about emotional intelligence, but I, I believe in your book, you you wanted to redefine what people think of intelligence altogether. Yeah, you're saying you're like, OK, the prophets are emotionally intelligent. But you said, actually, this is the peak of intelligence. This is why when you say the Prophet is the peak of mankind, he is the most intelligent human being. But people think like, oh, he's not like Einstein, though. He's not pulling out equations, whatnot. So what? Why did you make that distinction in your book? Why do you think that was important? That um, people understood that intelligence isn't just, just for a, a bit, Just for a bit. Okay. okay. Yeah, sure. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So the question, one more time, the question was... You define intelligence beyond... You, you define all of intelligence. Yes. You, you wanted to say like the peak of intelligence, actually emotional intelligence in a sense, where... Because the Prophet said them. Yes. And said to he's the complete human. And people say, well, you say he's so intelligent. He's not like Einstein. Yes. He's not yes. memorizing equations. Yes. And how do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So basically, okay. So this was the way I wanted to start the book. The way we started the book was like, I wanted people to question intelligence. And the reason is because there's this misnomer amongst, uh, especially prevalent in our society, that the more religious you are, the less intelligent you are. Yes. Right. And, and so, that, I mean, you, I think you, I, you go into that, actually, if you want to quote it specifically. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, uh, here, right here. I just had it. Open. Yeah. Page 14. Yeah. Um, there was a study. I don't know. You know, the institution is the University of Rochester. It's not like. MIT or something, right? I think they're up there, actually. They're up there? Okay, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, we quoted them. Yeah. <laughs> now, they're, now they're on the, now they're now they're in the book. Okay, so basically, basically, uh, yeah, basically the study's basically showing that um, uh, more, the more religious you become, the more you, number one, less likely to conform and relis- and thus res- resist religious dogma. I'm like, that's that's like, can I say BS on this one? You could. Okay, all right. That That's BS, man. Like, to me, that's BS because non-religious people conform all the time. And obviously, I don't have the statistics to prove that. Yeah. But I wanted to highlight. And there's a few more things. Uh, they're less likely to be analytical. I was like, why? The Quran constantly tells us to analyze things, right? Yeah. How is that? Like, like, what is that? Other yeah. than analysis. I mean, like, have you forever. read Ghazali? Yeah. Have you read... Like, that, that's like the, the neo-atheist view. What Sam Harris really, really mm. goes into that. You know, he, he did his so-called PhD in... Uh, uh, neuroscience, right? And, okay. And you know they analyzed a bunch of people, and they said, you know, apparently, apparently, um, you know, some people are just hardwired to just believe in dogma and not be intelligent. Okay. So that, like, that's that's Sam Harris. That that's Sam Harris. Okay. View. And a lot of people adopted that. Okay. Like those three lines right there. That, All right. That's the Sam Harris. Like, got you, got you. you know, I, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. I was just like. I want people to, okay, and the way I looked at it is this from a practical background, like, okay, I grew up in an inner city, and I learned very quickly that, sir, I learned very quickly, sorry about that, I'm not used to the whole podcast. Thing. Yeah, yeah, we, I learned, pull the mic up if you Okay, cool, to, yeah. cool. I learned very quickly that survival and thriving in urban areas 
was was had a different type of intelligence that was necessary. Street smart. Street unquote. smart. We call it street smart. And yeah. and I think in in corporate and other places as well, street smarts gets you yeah. moves you forward. You know. And so basically, what I wanted to do is there's a weak uh, there's a there's a something I talk about. Uh, I think is Howard Howard uh, mm, the multiple intelligence theory, um, which yeah, is that yeah. yeah that there's many types of intelligences. Um, uh, and one of them I didn't talk about was spatial intelligence. All right, uh, let me share this. This is I'm going to go on a tangent just for a moment. That's fine. It's related. I think that's it's what podcasts to... that's what podcasts are, right? Like, yo, <laughs> it's the fun. Oh, no, it's your book. It's the fun. Okay, but this is cool. We'll come right back to this intelligence, spatial intelligence, right? Um, you know, the the understanding how our distance affects your feeling, how it affects our relationship, so on and so forth. And you see, some people are. Uh, especially kids on the spectrum, they can't they can't take a lot of uh, close contact, even right, like physical body. Yeah, right. That there, that that's too much communication for them. I talk about so that like over overstimulation. Overstimulation. There's no. too much being communicated. Yeah, right. And I think that's very profound because we have this concept of you know men and women touching. Uh, 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 what's it? Ghair uh, Maharam. No. Right. Right. And it's like somebody's not related to you. Yeah. Like how is that? What's a handshake? And in the book, I talk about how. No, there's stuff communicated through touch. So spatial uh, intelligence, I didn't touch upon at all, but there's a hadith, right? No. It's amazing. It's the Prophet Sallallahu oh, right? So he's so sitting so. in the masjid, right? I, I think I quoted it here. The Prophet Sallallahu is oh, sitting so. in the masjid, right? And, uh, oh, and he's by himself. Okay. No one else in the masjid, right? You remember this one? Yeah. And a man walks into the masjid and the Prophet scoots over. Hmm. And the man's like cracks a joke. He's like, I'm not that big, Ya Rasulullah. Like, I, you didn't have to make room for me. And the Prophet said, No, Haqala kulli Muslim idara'ahu an yatazahalahu. The Prophet says, It's a haq of every Muslim that when you see them, you at least move somehow. Acknowledge, to acknowledge their. Yeah, but subhanAllah, I just felt that that communicated yeah. such a deep understanding of yeah. how people respond to your body movement and things like that. And so he scooted over even though there was no need to scoot over. Um, and, and again, some people won't get that clue. They won't get that. So when we talk about multiple intelligence theory, I was just trying to show people that these studies that say people are less intelligent and things like that if they're religious, first we need to question the assumption of what intelligence is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was my main reason for actually beginning with intelligence, okay. because I'm like, I'm going to talk about emotional intelligence in depth, but people don't really know. Well, what do you mean intelligence? Exactly. The, and, and, and I do this when I do the workshop around the country. What I do is I ask people right away and I ask in the beginning, who's the most intelligent person, you know, and because we're in the masjid, everyone's like, oh, prophet. So I said, and I'm like, I'm like, can you not give me the masjid answer? <laughs> like if I just met you in Starbucks yeah. and I was just like, hey, we're doing a survey survey here. Um, just answer a few questions. Who mm. would you say? And and a few guys lately, I've been getting a lot of interesting. I don't know if they read already, but they're like my mom, <laughs> you know, my grandma. I'm like, OK, cool. You guys getting woke now. So. She's triple PhD. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You actually, so you relate this, the, the emotional intelligence. I, I wanted to get, so if people want theory, 
they can open your book inshallah read it you have a second print coming out very soon maybe by the time this comes out it's already out yeah yeah it's on is it on amazon or just so our next print is going to be it's on right now it's on column books the next one i got it through column yeah the next one is going to be on amazon i've been you know whatever it's on column and mecca books right now yeah column and mecca books but within within the next like three weeks we should be on amazon for sure we just got delayed because some other i got you okay cool so if people on theory pick up the book read the theory but i want to get into more practical yes definitely so i'm i'm a new father so i have a bit kid and uh you had a section on just how you relate to your child and i thought i mean this this part of the book maybe it's not even the main point it seemed like a side point just demonstrating something but it really like hit me so the example you use is in the mornings before you go to work if your daughter's up you make her breakfast you go out the home yeah if she's up she helps you make breakfast and you said you have options if she when she gets up and she wants to help you make pancakes you can either sit there and watch her crack an egg yeah go slowly make a mess oh or you can just be like all right let's do, 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 do. i'm done in two seconds why yes. am i waiting five minutes for this yes but a child will look to see when they spill that egg how does my father react yes when i spill water how does my mom I look to the mom yeah how does my mom react yeah and the emotional education as you were putting it, is in the first four years of life yeah is yeah how it's going to be reflected later on so when you see some kid who you spill something on him, he's like, ah, oh, he goes crazy. Yeah. Just go home. And I, I bet you if you spill something on his mom, her mom, his mom's going to go crazy. Yes, yes. Okay, there's so much to unpack in this. Uh, the first thing is this. The first thing is this. This is cool, right? You're fine with the live? It, it, it's, it's fine. Source, yeah. it's, sure. open, it's going to be online anyway. It's All right. Like, just, so, 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 uh, <laughs> just so everyone yeah. knows, uh, we're here with uh, Prophetic Min Tality. Tality. Uh, it's soon a podcast that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, we're recording uh, about our book, inshallah. You won't be able to find this podcast yet because it hasn't dropped yet. When it does drop, you'll see it all over my uh, social media, inshallah. inshallah. So it's a prophetic mentality. We're down here in Southern California. Alhamdulillah, I had to get out of uh, Dallas, you know, and uh, <laughs> see what you, you what you bougie people are up to up here. <laughs> bougie? Enjoy, enjoy oh, you haven't, seen, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> this, you think this is bougie. Okay. <laughs> You're in the wrong town for Allah Allah <laughs> Okay, all right. So let's come back to this concept of prophetic, uh, a parenting prophetically no. and emotional intelligence as a parent. Uh, so you have to understand that emotional intelligence, as I said in the book, for children is learned very quick. And what we mean by that is when they face, face frustrations, when they face difficulties, how do they emotionally respond to those? No. Um, and so what that means is if you, what, what they do is they mirror in the beginning. So whatever response you get give to frustration, whatever response you give to anger, whatever response you give, they will just imitate that because they idolize us. No. Um, and so, and what I found interesting is how the Prophet says, I'm a father to you. If you take that statement and apply that to emotional intelligence, that's huge because the father and the mother are where you directly, directly, directly learn um, emotional intelligence from. All right. So, so okay, let's come back to it. So you gave an example. You know, you're, you're with your child, your child, maybe five, six uh, they want to do something. They want to crack an egg. They want to do something. Uh, we are very outcome-based. We are all about getting the job done. Yeah. Um, and so we look for the most efficient way to do things. Especially as men. We're especially like, as men. Yeah. Especially <laughs> as men. Especially. Oh, let me tell you the catalyst for this section. I have a good friend, a really good friend. His name is uh, Muhammad. Muhammad from uh, uh, D.C. And uh, he was taking care of his grandfather. And his grandfather... Rahimahullah just passed away. 
Uh, but at this time, he was with him. It was maybe like a year and a half. Well, it was about six months before I started writing the book. Um, and he said, my grandfather was very old and I was helping him, but I kept trying to do stuff for him. And he's like, my grandfather said like something to the fact that don't do it for me. Just be here with me. Mm. And for someone who's goal oriented, I can finish this job to like double the efficiency as you. When my daughter's like, let's make pancakes and she wants to stir it. I'm like, not only can you not stir it as fast, but you're going to spill it too. Yeah. <laughs> and now I got to clean that up. And for a father or for anyone, that's kind of like counterproductive. I got to get to work. I do da, 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 da. But, 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 but. It's being present. Yes. It's being present. And there was another point specifically with this. Uh, yeah. So there's two things you connected there is once I'm dealing. Ah, yes. Now I got it. There's a study that says that the the way that emotional intelligence is passed uh, improved the most in children is doing joint activities, joint learning activities with the child. Mm. So so me and you are both working on a puzzle together. That's where you will boost the emotional intelligence of the child given if you respond properly yeah. i mean if you're sitting there like oh i can't figure this puzzle out you're smashing it you throw it okay you failed, mm, <laughs> you yeah. failed. but joint projects that you're working on together and wallahi you're a new father those are the hardest bro doing legos doing puzzles like me and you were just like all right put it together right <laughs> what's taking you so long hurry up right and with the kids, it's like, no, you got to brand go. new. It's brand new. And they want they want you to experience them doing it. Yeah. You know, they want you to experience they want to, exp uh, to experience you watching them learn it, not you doing it. I mean, yeah. What's amazing when I read that section, there are things I won't like put my wife on blast, but there's something <laughs> I do it and it frustrates her. Like this some simple thing, but when I go visit her family, that's every husband. When my, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, join the club, bro. But yeah, but in particular, this thing I thought was so like, why are you getting angry about this? I go home to her family when she would do the same thing to her mom. Her mom would get angry at her at the same way. I was like, this is, uh, I told this her where like, this it came, where came from. from. This is where it came so from. This is what you didn't know why. She's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I get angry about this. I was like, there it is. I literally had we had the same realization like two weeks ago. The same thing happened. Yeah. We were all hanging out with her, with her siblings and we were just running through how things go down. And then I was like, yeah, you know, the way your sister does this, this and this. And she's like, you know, mom does the same thing with us. Wow. And, you know, that's. Uh, no, I, I, honestly, the older I get, I was talking, I was saying this the other day, the more I'm just imitating my parents. Yeah, so, panel, sure. that's true. Yeah. yeah. The older I get, I'm like, and we always say I'm not going to be like that, but it's just catching it, up. It just it, it happens because you're. You view your parents react in a certain situation. You may not say you may not agree with it, but now that's a learned response. Mm. And now when you find yourself in the same exact situation, if you, if you haven't trained yourself to sit there and think mm. through it, that that's what you're going to revert yeah, to your yeah. body. That's like, oh, that's a solution. I know that yeah. got through. Yeah. And you I know? think the, and that's neural, what's the neural plasticity, yeah. uh, the neural plasticity is getting uh, you guys probably know this way better than me, but the neural plasticity is getting uh, less. Yeah. less when you get older. as you get older yeah and so i think if you're not working at in the 20s yeah. and 30s to control your mindfulness presence and emotional responses man like 40s that, 50s 60s is tough let actually let's segue that's a good segue into um the next point i wanted to discuss so on this podcast we try to specifically talk about the subject of men because 
Yeah, the this, way, this is about men. This, this is, is about men's specific. Podcast. It's a it's a man's podcast. It's I mean, women podcast. can listen to you know tell their husbands to listen, but the <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 main issue you know there, there's we can we can sit here all day and talk about all the different societal problems, world problems that are going on. Yes, yes. And I think I think we think you know a, a core solution of that. It's not. You know, sure, we, everyone wants radical change. Everyone wants, you know, to undo systematic things. Radical there's a, there's a point in there. Radical yeah. change. But that starts with that starts with the self. Yes. Right. And definitely. I think specifically with the man. Right. Because, mm. you know, with the fall of men, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing we're seeing what's the going on. The family breaks down. The family breaks Look, down. Uh, like if you take African-American families in the inner cities, how did how did a government and people of power uh, destroy the the inner city uh, family, the African American family. Well, you 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 incarcerate all the men. You incarcerate all the men, <laughs> and this is exactly what Pharaoh did to uh, Beni Israel. Kill all the kill men. all the men and let everybody else live. So so definitely, I think we have an example of how mm. the fall of a family starts yeah. with the fall of of men of responsibility and, and then you and the fall of society exactly so and that, so I, I think i think that's there's there's no need to uh so be apologetic about that no definitely we're definitely not about being apologetic that's <laughs> it's not a tag I, I think anyone should use but what do you think are some practical steps for you know you got the the 20 you know the mid late early 20 year old muslim male right someone who's either late in college or about to graduate they're looking to get married but um you know, they, they, they know they have some learned garbage inside, you know, yeah. and then they're going to be they're, they're going to be responsible for someone's daughter. They're going to be responsible mm. for their own kids. What kind of practical steps do you think this person could take to unlearn these things? Because, you know, we could just say, oh, go to the masjid, learn Quran. No, no, no. But no. there's that's, plenty that's, of people who yeah. are using Quran to learn this garbage. Yeah. That's just the sad reality yeah. that we live in. Yeah, I think okay. you talk about the barriers. I think this is, yeah. this is it, essentially what are the barriers? Yeah. What do you see as the biggest barriers today? As when you and you interact with seminary students, people who are learned, not learned, etc. What are those barriers that you see? And maybe what are some practical steps someone can take? To get yeah. Okay. So, so, okay. As Muslims, right? This is yeah. a Muslim podcast, right? Yes. With three Muslims in this room right now. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, Allah preserve our iman. Uh, here's the deal. First thing first, um, I think we need to re, and this is the purpose of the book, is that we're trying to reorient ourselves to the prophetic model regarding emotions and emotionally connecting to people no. and masculine emotionality like what does it mean to be a, a man per as per the emotional side of things no. so first thing i think is we need to relearn what a good muslim man looks like bismillah okay that's we have to relearn that first and foremost okay and that means uh uh now taking the prophet's interactions holistically Holistically, not cherry picking, uh, looking at his his lifestyle, his how he interacted with people, and uh, uh, seeing where our culture has, uh, whether it be American culture or our other cultures, has taken us away from that prophetic model. Now, once we start to realize that emotional intelligence and connecting to people is a part of our deen mm. then we can sit on the member we can be in the masjid and say this is a religious responsibility for you to learn how to listen to your wife speak mm. it, it is a religious obligation of you to be present when your daughter is telling you about your day well why where'd you get that from well the prophet's sunnah is that 
That is how والسلام, he connected to people. Yeah. Uh, so when you say like, how are we going to do this? I think the way we're going to do this is we're going to first let Muslims see how the Prophet emotionally connected, right? Mm. That's the first thing. Then we're going to now start to teach people the methods, whether they be Western sourced, Eastern source, or Middle Eastern source. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. It doesn't matter where it comes from because even in when it comes to mindfulness, one of the first things for emotional intelligence is emotional awareness. And emotional awareness requires being a good listener, mm. being a very good listener. That's true. Right? Now, listening requires presence. Now let's start there. Your major problem in your relationship is you're never present. You're on your phone all the time. You're on your there phone. You you're, you're listening you to music. You're so minus, now, yeah, 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 now yeah. we have to go to presence specialists. Who are they? Well, I mean, there's all over. If you go Western, what the Western is doing now is skipping the Middle East and going to the East. You got what I'm saying? Oh, spirituality stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah, Buddhism okay. stuff is crazy. The like, Buddhism uh, stuff is, is, is it's huge. It's huge. That is it's the big. Huge. That's the big thing. It's um, huge. They're they're connecting this uh, meditation, and, the uh, yoga with the meditation oh with the my presence. And exactly. And it's the, like like I said, the West skipped over the Middle East and went to the East. Th there's a. I actually know. I have a friend who um, was having some sort of uh, addiction problems, and he went to go see a, a therapist, and, and the therapist, Allah, he told him. Um, you need to sit with yourself every day, you know, three to five times a day huh. in complete stillness and reflect. Subhanallah. And I was like, where do you get that from? And the guy's like, bro, it, you know, it worked for me. I was like, were you praying? Like, is it? Like, he's Muslim. He's Muslim, right? Oh my God. And I'm, Subhanallah. Yeah, like, oh yeah, I did it after prayer. I'm like, what? You know, that, it, is the yeah, prayer. Yeah, it is the prayer. You know, you're messing it up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had another friend, uh, this person had anxiety, <laughs> that, and this is like that, four or five years ago. That, okay. uh, and she went to some uh, psychiatrist, right? Okay. And this non-Muslim psychiatrist, non-Muslim person, and Muslim psychiatrist. Okay. And the person's like, oh, "Have you looked into Sufism?" And no. this person came oh, to me asking, like, goodness. "So my my thing person was telling me like about Sufism, like what is that?" Oh. I was like, "What kind of white person, oh, non-Muslim, talking about white non-Muslim? Like, what is oh, this world?" Yeah, yeah, they're realizing they they miss so much. Yeah. They miss so much, and there's been this this. Uh, over it's not it's not new so we're in uh, two thousand eight so in the it's early two thousand overcorrection I think yeah, yeah 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 but oh no what I was referring to more was this this move back into meditation this move back to understanding the self through reflection mm. the healing ability they're using now I mean you're a biomed major uh, uh, you know specialist they're using uh, they're using what you call it uh, me meditation for actual healing yeah. like to heal. And, and, uh, and, and so what's uh, amazing to me is that this, my point was this, we're going to have to read through the resources that are teaching presence of mind, no matter where they're coming from. And we need people that are going to translate that into material that is consumable for our Muslim, uh, uh, uh educated class or, you know, literate class, uh, content about reflection. I'll, I'll be real. Since we're on a podcast, I'll be real with this one. I think the Please. fall of Tesawwuf in American Islam, we're seeing the result of that as far as our disconnection with people and disconnection okay, with wait, God. Wait, you got you got to break that down a little bit. What okay. do you mean the fall of tasawwuf in American Islam? Okay. That is that so, is a statement that. Okay, you just, okay. You so obviously you have 
you have the 90s from what I hear I wasn't even Muslim in the 90s so the hardcore what, Salafi movement yeah, that most Salaf- people 30 years old today you can ask them and they had some yes. Salafi so that, there yes. was that big there was that there big was divide there was thing where Sufism yeah. is this horrible thing yeah push right? the mic it, up a little uh, bit. Sufism is like horrible yeah. you know yeah. Rumi is like a heretic yeah. and all of these things right and so what happens to all problems is the overreaction no. the baby with the bathwater and so yes as dr shadi misri points out the goofy sufis yes that doesn't mean to wolf is a bad field no. it just means you got to avoid the extra stuff right yeah. and so now uh, uh, uh and, and it's funny now we have this this woke kind of like hippie muslim like to where we won't use the word right but we're giving you all the goods of it and, and the, people and, are eating it up. They love it. <laughs> All third spaces in, All the, in America. Yeah, that's, they that's, love it. It's, yeah. it's pure to soul of, yeah. but we won't use the word. Yeah. But you know you need it, and we all know we need it, but we can't use this word. Mm. And so presence, you're not going to learn presence through fiqh, guys. There's no fiqh in the whole chapters of fiqh and aqidah. There's no chapter on presence of mind because that was a science taught by the specialists of the mind and the heart. I say mind and heart. That comes back to with the heart and mind, the mind being the qalb. Uh, the mind as as we bring up in our book well, and as part of the curriculum you go through, right? Like you know you learn you learn these this set of basic knowledge and then this mm. and then you're you know you're now you're now able to take on this fiqh knowledge and yes. and uh, everything else. So um Learning fiqh back in the day, I think, was it's just a byproduct of okay, you've accomplished these tasks already. You're yeah. now able to to holistically encompass yeah, definitely. this knowledge. But but my my point though that that I was I, I kind of uh, missed it was the fall of to not the fall of Tisawaf. I made it a bit too epic. I made it too like oh wow what happened? No, the point is that the side of Islamic spirituality mm. uh, was given this kind of bad name back in the nineties and. The, the, uh, the effect of that is we lost the thamara of those sciences, which is uh, basically how to uh, be present with people, be present with God, uh, connect with yourself, sit down and meditate. If you tell a Muslim today to meditate, they're kind of like, is that sacrilegious? Yeah. No, it's part of your deen. Reflection is a part of your yeah. deen. No. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an Arabic yeah, word. Yeah. Okay, you want an Arabic word? There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's... that's... Like, you want an Arabic word? There you go. Because so, it's just—it's a loaded word now. When you hear, they think, exactly. when anyone says meditate, you think the guy cross-legged, clasped hands. Uh, you know that—that's what you think of yeah. when you say meditating. Yeah. You, you know, om, yeah. That, exactly. Exactly. Uh, which is shirky, actually. You should uh, say that uh, stuff for love, but. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean, actually? It's like, uh, it's it's like it's, om is like the. What is it? Yeah. It's like a, the presence or like the okay, oneness yeah, of whatever. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know they're doing yoga and they're saying they're repeating that after the instructor. Like oh. that's you're actually you're praying. Oh, that's like a sacrilegious. Allah protect us. Yeah, Allah protect us. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so my main point is uh, we need to bring back the science of learning how to be present with oneself, and you only learn that through the likes of uh, Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi, rahimahullah. Mm-hmm. Ibn Taymiyyah has amazing stuff. Uh, of course, Ghazali, rahimahullah taala. Imam Muhasibi, you take any generation from Sahaba till now, you have specialists of the mind, right? And by mind, I mean heart, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Qalb, I mean Qalb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we're talking about in this book. And 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 by bringing up George, George Makari's book, Soul Machine, Soul Machine, I'm just trying to get people to realize that uh, between the heart and the mind, between the mind and the brain, there's a difference. And that 
again, I don't want to overstep. I want to know my limits. But basically, I, I like to introduce people to these authors that are saying, hey, the mind is something deeper than the brain. And we haven't figured that out yet. And for us in our uh, the history of our literature, in our tradition, this the qalb, there's actually, do you know, there's actually a difference of opinion that goes back to Shafi'i and uh, Abu Hanifa, rahimahumullah, of where the qalb lies. Imam Shafi'i is of the opinion uh, if I, I don't want to mix it up, uh, I, so just so I don't misquote them, one of them says fil dimagh, in the brain, and the other says fil fil qalb, fil the qalb. Like there's two different. By the way, when they say qalb, they don't mean the physical heart; they mean a latifa, a something. They they're not. It's throughout the entire body, yeah. right? Uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, the point that I'm, I was trying to make is that uh, the aqal in the human body, according to the Quran, wherever the aql is, the qalb is doing that. The qalb does the aqling, I'm sorry. Okay. The qalb does the aqling, hmm. right? And so wherever it is, the, the, the thing of understanding is the qalb. Um, and so that's where we get into Razi's uh, uh, understanding of what the aql is. Muhasibi has this yeah. amazing, amazing breakdown of uh, what is aql, what is the qalb, and so on and so forth. So we're coming towards the end of this, but we wanted to touch on something we talked offline about was, so someone has these barriers. You talked about kind of some of the practical, but then you had at, at the end of your book, you talk about the actual manner that you can undo these things or how, how these things stick. How do you learn something and okay. act on it? We could single loop theory. Oh, double loop yes. Theory. Okay. Okay. So if you don't mind to the listener, can you really quick, they'll read the book if they want all the details is there, obviously. <laughs> But, but what it, is a yeah. double loop theory? What is that? What's that all about? Double loop learning and single loop learning. What do you mean by yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. And this is just so everyone understands. Th this is the mode of, of, of education that you're being engaged with every day. <coughs> you know, whether someone's speaking on TV or what you're learning in school, you're, you're, th this is what they're hitting you with. Th th yeah. Yeah. So okay. All right. All right. So this is really interesting. Uh, what is single loop and what is double loop learning and how does that apply yeah. to change? Um, so, so this is interesting. Um, if I tell you, uh, if I tell you, if you sit after Fajr until sunrise, uh, you get the reward of Hajj. I tell you that bit of information. Um, that is something we consider single loop learning. I just gave you information. I just gave you a, a nugget of information that you can directly act upon. If I haven't prefaced that information with a foundation upon which to build that knowledge, you may do it once or twice, but it won't establish itself deeply because it doesn't have the foundation uh, necessary to grow upon. And so what a good educational process does is it, 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 it digs deeper to build foundation as it builds up. You understand what I mean by that? So hmm. we're, we're, we're questioning assumptions. And there's another way we can look at this as well, which is that sometimes you have already learned something on a double, double loop, loop level. Uh, and again, double loop simply means it's, it's underneath the, it's the assumptions underneath the actions. Your world, your first principle, your worldview. Your worldview and yeah. all of those things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so many times you'll hear a khatib. This is the best example. Uh -oh. A khatib is giving a khutbah. The khatib sometimes is doing single loop learning. Yeah. We should go to the masjid. We should do this. 
And and those who already have the correct worldview are like, yeah, yeah, amen, hallelujah, right? They're feeling it, right? But those who don't have the proper uh, foundation or assumptions, they're kind of like, why every time I walk in here, they're saying stuff that makes no sense to me. Is there a God? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Level. Is there a God? They're like, wait, I had a deeper question here. Like, and, and so especially. Uh, we're not uh, laughing because it's funny. It's sad. Just. Yeah, yeah. That, the, there's two types of laughter. Well, we, like we the, learned that recently, right? Yeah, the laugh you just did is not a laugh of. Uh, Hardiness. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just like, oh, man. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. let's not get into that. Uh, please, please. Uh, so. So uh, my point is double loop learning. Now, this is the key, though. Every step you make in spiritual growth, there's a deeper double loop to learn again. Mm. Like like first you learn about like you do your first step, your first action, and you build a worldview that supports that. But as you grow and get better, like your actions become more elite, elite in a good way. Elite meaning uh, uh, uh the good deeds of the righteous, righteous. are the sins of the the, the, the elite the, elect yeah. so what this what this means is you're constantly constantly uh, building a deeper uh, double loop as you go up on a higher level do, do you understand what I mean yeah you, okay let me give an example yeah no I get it but okay you, you make it practical I got a, a good example okay. for you a man comes into the masjid the Prophet Sallallahu is giving sadaq, uh, is asking for sadaqah. Yeah. A man comes in, gives a small nugget, and the Prophet Sallallahu literally picks it up and chucks it back at him mm. and says, why are some people giving sadaqah today and tomorrow they're going to be asking for donations? Then Abu Bakr comes with hat, all of his money and the Prophet accepts it. Abu Bakr's level of action was equal with where he was the action that he did mm. his he 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 understood it he supported it his his mind and heart was ready for that level okay mm -hmm. but the person who brought that one nugget they weren't ready for that yet not even the nugget they weren't they weren't there yet yeah and so you're doing something but you're not there yet you had the first level but your second level behind it mm. you you he couldn't say but he just gave all his money because he would say but you're not on his level yet so i so the practical example is this now when we teach islam to high schoolers and students people in college uh, high schoolers are different i think high schoolers are a different beast altogether but uh college students specifically what has to constantly happen is a questioning of assumptions, right? A questioning of assumptions. But there's a problem with double loop learning. Mm. It doesn't get anything done. Mm. Think not, about what I'm saying. I'm building. You're, if you're, I'm constantly talking about modernity, view, modernity, first principle. Like, let's just continue to have conversations. You yeah, know? we prove gravity exists every day of our life. Yeah. Yes. You need, you thank to, you. That's a beautiful way to put yeah, it. Yeah. Like. Double loop learning has to happen, but you can't get stuck on it. Mm. The purpose of it is to do action. Yeah. I proved God exists. Okay, now like, what does that mean? Like, okay, He exists. So let's then go to I, masjid. Let's go be spiritual. You know, like. So let's go <laughs> listen to that khutbah <laughs> of that imam who's giving us one le le single loop learning thing yeah. objectives to get done. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so we don't have to. Uh, be we don't have to look at the khatib, uh, the old school khatib as a bad thing. We don't. We, we have to actually understand that no, 
they were in an environment where all they had to do was give single loop lessons to people because the assumptions were there for the most part. Mm. Now we need people who know both. Yeah. We need some people who are going to specialize in questioning the assumptions to build the foundation for just the action items. And so in the book, um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, in the next edition, we're putting a, 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 a diagram, but the diagram basically is that it's a stairs. It's basically stairs. And the stairs are like every, every step, there's a double loop, then a single loop up. Mm. And now you're at the next level. Establish yourself there. Now double loop. Go up. Yes. Establish yourself. Learn. So the step okay. up, here's the key though. Mm. Here's the key. And this is important for all the third spaces out there. The key is the step up. The, you can't focus on double loop because mm. you're not improving. Mm. See, the, the main thing with the third space is like no one's building foundations for people. That's one of the main things, right? No one's really talking to the deep core issues that are troubling these people who aren't going to the masjid, who aren't praying. And let's deal with the deeper things and we'll get them to the prayer. Mm. Yeah. You that, know, that's, I got you. That's, so, that's the Jordan Peterson model we were talking about earlier because oh, okay. he you know he got people in with his with his speech you know the the dub the the double loop <laughs> speak right and then okay I, i'm kind of i'm feeling what this guy's saying and then he drops 12 rules of life mm. and then maybe for some of us it was like not really following you here but someone else was like okay i i believe what you say now here are the rules mm. that's what i'm gonna go by so that's kind of what you're referring yes, to right yes, yeah yes. that's you so, touch them at the core and then okay Here's what you let's move do. forward let's now. Move let's forward. move forward. And let's it's a build constant process, bro. Yeah. It never stops. So, I mean, oh, that's a brief overlook. I mean, yeah. I think uh, just, you know, as we wrap this up, one of the yeah. things that in the, in the, uh, that the main focus in is I break down what is emotional intelligence, right? And how, what are the aspects of it? Showing that in the life of the prophet is my, that's my intention. I want us to be better followers of him. And I want us to realize that this was a knowledge given by God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to his prophets so that they can convey a message. Okay, well, that's, that's, a, I think that's, that's a great conclusion. That's, that's a great that. conclusion. Yeah, so, Alhamdulillah. There's so much more to unpack in this book. We Alhamdulillah. Got, people should go Allah, out I recommend buy it. everyone to go out and buy this book. Inshallah, maybe by the time the this episode drops, the second yes. edition uh, will have dropped as well. Um, Maybe we'll have you on season two. We'll have season, season two, yo, two. When we do the next edition, yo. <laughs> we won't be as rushed. Inshallah, I think Sheikh has a conference to go to <laughs> yeah, here in yeah, SoCal. Uh, Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, for joining us. Thanks for having and, me. Alhamdulillah, uh, it's a pleasure. This is uh, Amr Mabrook and Munir uh, with the Prophetic Mentality Podcast signing off. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.